Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tuesday edition Pro Football Talk Live here on NBCSN. Hello to our friends in the UK and in Ireland who are seeing the program live on Sky Sports. And a special hello to our friend Alan in the UK. He's having a lung operation today. Our thoughts are with him and his wife, Susan. They are loyal viewers of the program in the UK. So we wish Alan all the best. Good morning. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. I want to say good luck to Alan, too. I mean, you know, he doesn't tune into the show just to watch you. He might like me, too. In fact, I, I, you know, so I just want to make sure I, I get a chance that? to say hi. When, well, I don't know. When, when did I suggest that he only watches the show to see me? And I, 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 it was 30 seconds or less. This is going to be a long two hours. This is the mood you're in today. I don't that, know, yes. man. I know. You never know, right? But, yes, we got to say hi to him. He, he reached out through – or his wife reached out through social media last night. And we say hi to the UK every morning. Alan Akera, I believe, is the last name. But good luck to you with your lung surgery. Uh, go get nice him, Slugger. We'll, no, we'll be nice here. Nice to know that you pay attention to the conversations we have just before we go on the air, Chris. It I is totally be a long paid attention hours. and just didn't care at all. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. That's good. That's good to know. Uh, all right. Um, look, we're all still dealing with a strange time in our nation. And... Uh, I, it 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 seems like last night wasn't as troubling as the night before, and hopefully we are in a, a position where the things that are causing real concern, the rioting, the looting, the potential for violence, that that will subside, that 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 shouldn't change the topic away from the the fundamental issue, which is hopefully we have arrived at a moment where there will be meaningful change as it relates to the manner in which law enforcement officials interact with African-Americans and people of color. That is the that is the message that Colin Kaepernick first tried to send four years ago. That is the message that still resonates today, Chris. And 
We spent a lot of time talking about it yesterday. Today, we're just going to spend one segment on it, but there are some important developments that we need to share. And this trend of quarterbacks speaking out has continued. And, uh, you know, some, some of the most important players in the NFL chiming in yesterday, Russell Wilson, the Seahawks quarterback, adding his voice to the mix, a lengthy statement that we have uh, posted in its entirety at Pro Football Talk. Dot com. You can see it there. You can see it at Russell Wilson's Twitter feed. My heart, hurt, my heart hurts, pain, frustration, outrage, sadness, and uh, it goes on from there. And a very good statement from him. A powerful statement also from Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, Chris. And, and look, whether it's white quarterbacks or African-American quarterbacks, the quarterbacks are the leaders. Yesterday we talked about how so many white quarterbacks have spoken out. And we shared the comments from Richard Sherman, the 49ers cornerback, who explained how powerful it is when white voices add their voices to this situation. But the quarterbacks are the leaders of the team. They are the most identifiable and most popular players in the league, generally, especially guys like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. It's just good to see more voices joining what hopefully becomes an avalanche for change, that, that it's undeniable the change is needed. That's what I hope we get to, the point where so many people are saying this is unacceptable and it needs to change, that change becomes a foregone conclusion. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, come on. The, the country's in a bad spot. It's got to change. What's gone on the last four or five years really, come on, it's been longer than that. Uh, just, you know, just in, in, in a lot of our African-American communities and things like that, it, 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 it's not easy for them. There's struggles. And of course, yes, white America is not making it easier. And, you know, you said it, Mike, you know, guys like Patrick Mahomes, he's, he's the best player in football, white, black. It doesn't matter. It means something when he releases a statement like that, along with Russell Wilson. Now, the big thing to me too, at some point, just, you know, I, I do think that uh, the next phase of this, so we don't revisit this topic six months from now again, or seven months again. You know, I think I do think some people, some players are going to have to get on like the front line a little bit and start really putting faces with some of these statements and things like that to show that, hey, you know, we're here for change. Things got to change. And I'm Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or whatever it is. And I'm here with the people to let you know that it's not right. And I think that time's coming, too, because I just think there's too many NFL players right now that are distraught and angry uh, about this situation and, you know, in the way in which America is, is kind of going right now. Well, and I, I think it's it's not just incumbent on the players. It's incumbent on others in positions of power and influence. And some people want it to only be politicians. I think that change That's starts stupid. below. That's stupid. Now, by the time the, the politicians follow the lead of the people and exactly. the most prominent voices among the people are the ones who need to be speaking up. And there have been a handful of coaches who have spoken up. Now, this is where it gets a little bit dicey because Brian Flores issues a a clear written statement that left no doubt where the Dolphins coach stands on this issue, and it raises some very thought-provoking content as to the way some people reacted to Colin Kaepernick and the way some people quietly uh, reacted to the murder of George Floyd. Frank Reich had a statement that he read to reporters yesterday. Anthony Lynn made comments to Jim Trotter of NFL Media. Matt Nagy did some media appearances yesterday. The Bears coach had some things to say. 
um, th- th- there was a, a Kevin Stefanski statement that was part of a much broader joint Cleveland Browns Columbus Crew statement, and and uh, and th- and those are the voices we've seen in some capacity publicly. But I assume every coach is dealing with this in some way, shape, or form. Pete Carroll, the Seahawks coach, basically turned the floor over yesterday during what right. otherwise would have been a virtual meeting aimed at getting ready for the season to talk through these issues. And, and, uh, and that's good too. Look privately it's amazing. within the confines of the team, it's important. It's important to do that. Um, and, and I think it's also important and it's an opportunity when, when their voices are made public for the rest of us to say, here's a recognizable name and face and voice who is adding to the chorus that change right. is needed. That, that's my broader point. The more people that we look at on TV and we recognize and we respect that say change is needed, the harder it comes, it becomes for those who don't want change to resist change. So, uh, so look, it's good that it's happening privately. I'm hoping that more will join in publicly and we'll see how yeah, that plays right. out, Chris. No, no, I know. You're right. We need everybody to jump in publicly. Again, that, that's what I don't like about this conversation, something you just said a minute ago, you know, where people are trying to say, oh, let the politicians handle this. You know, no, no, screw that. This is a humanity effort. This has nothing to do with politics. This is about treating people the right way. It's about not discriminating against certain people of color and things like that. So it's a real issue in our country. And, you know, it doesn't even matter. Yes, I, I, you know, first off, I could sit here and speak to just my time at Texas, Mike. I know I've told stories, but just for people to think it's not real is ridiculous. You know, people used to yell to me, go back to, you know, the North, you Yankee, because of the way I was dressed. You know, people would, I would wear a jersey, you know, and dress like, I guess, you know, what they thought was like a black guy. And they would tell me, they would yell at me, hey, Sims, you're white. Like, yeah, I know. Thank you. I look in the mirror every day. But it just tells you that those issues are real in our country. And lastly, Mike, I just want to say how cool it is that I think Pete Carroll does that with the Seattle Seahawks. It's what makes them a special organization. It's what makes them play so hard for him. Uh, It's what makes players want to go to Seattle and play in that organization because they continue to show that their players, you know, don't have to be robots and can have voices and personalities and care about people. So I think that is, you know, something that a, a part of the culture that Pete Carroll deserves a lot of credit for, John Schneider, along with, the, along with him, uh, for setting that forth. And on a day where it's hard to go to work and study on football plays for, for a lot of guys, yeah, air it out. Because this is, this is a, a human rights personal issue, and I think it deserves talking. And, and there has been, Chris, a range of statements and comments, some stronger than others, uh, some that just really grab your attention. And and the Seahawks issued a statement yesterday that, that struck me in the same way that the statement from Raiders owner Mark Davis that we shared with everyone yesterday struck me. It, it Because it calls the situation what it is. It doesn't right. sugarcoat it. it. It doesn't inflame, but it is candid. It has the kind of blunt, frank approach that I think we need right now to ensure that people don't forget this moment when it fades and and inevitably and hopefully the violent aspect of this will fade, but we still remember why change is needed. The Seahawks family is dismayed by the unacceptable act of violence that occurred against George Floyd last week in Minneapolis and grieve that loss along with countless others in a similar manner, including most recently Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. Our heartfelt condolences are extended to their families and every other family that has had to endure the pain from similar 
atrocities. These biased actions are systemic and have plagued our society for generations and have culminated to the current state of unrest we are experiencing. That's the statement from the Seahawks. That's just part of it. But that's what that's what grabbed that to 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 really inspire all the way down to the average citizen who may not even be paying that much attention to this, to get their attention and inspire them to say this has to change. That's the kind of clarity that must come from the top. And and uh, that's that's another reason to applaud the Seahawks for how they've handled this, Chris. No doubt. No, no tiptoeing. You know, that's that. As again, it kind of fits within the theme of the Seattle Seahawks. They're not a tiptoe type team. You know, they handle confrontation head on. They're not worried about being political or maybe offending that white racist fan they have that or they're worried about, oh, he might go buy a hat later. We don't want to offend him. No, the hell with that guy. He needs to hear it from people like Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe that'll change him. You know, so that's where, you know, I really, really applaud Mark Davis and the Seattle Seahawks for coming out with those type of comments that are strong. Yeah, there's no wiggle room. It, it, it gets right to the root of the problem. It points it out. It throws it in our face and says we got to do something about it. And to me, that's the type of action that needs to be take, uh, taken right now. And look, sometimes the statements will spur others to act, and some of these teams are also initiating action themselves. The New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, both owned by Gail Benson, statements or words she said yesterday, unified action towards a solution is what needs to come from this. Now the two franchises formed a social justice leadership coalition. Saints linebacker Demario Davis, Pelicans guard Lonzo Ball, and J.J. Redick will be on that that coalition, and that that is that is another tangible way. And and you know we're all looking for ways that we can get involved, ways that we can help. And and I think that when the organizations, the public organizations that are are known to people who are sports fans, when they start finding ways to do things, maybe that also becomes inspiration, Chris, for the rest of us to find ways to do things. Yeah, well, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that, you know. I mean, again, and I think it just we need more people to come forward, more powerful people, more players, more faces be put to this conversation. And it can't be as something that, you know, we die, it dies out and we lose passion for, you know, four or five weeks from now when this kind of all, the, dust all, the dust all settles from this. This is a fight that we got to keep, you know, pushing forward, moving forward, continue to break those barriers with, with people who – you know, just just don't understand what's going on in this country and continue to have that conversation for for people who are sheltered in life, who don't get to be around a lot of different people, different cultures and skin colors and whatever it may be. You know, they, they sometimes lack the experiences and, and things like that to know what, you know, these people are, which is great people. And uh, yeah, again, I, I applaud the NFL here. All coaches, players, a lot of the owners doing the right thing right now. We just got to keep fighting the good fight and keep moving forward with it. Dolphins coach Brian Flores walking the talk as well, taking time out from a Monday that would have been, should have been devoted to preparations for the season. He and general manager Chris Greer and team president Tom Garfinkel spent time actually loading groceries into the trunks of vehicles for people in the Miami area who are in need of food. So, you know, it's not just the statement, it's getting out there and doing things and providing that symbol of doing things. So 
all the more reason to credit the Dolphins and Coach Flores for how they've handled these troubling times in our country. And Chris, when I fast forward three months to the season, and those three months are going to be here before we know it. I know. I, I, Go I, ahead. I, I, I'm, curi I'm curious to see. Now, we've still got a pandemic that's going on, by the way, that you know we haven't forgotten about. Uh, it's, it's still there. And there are still real issues about public health and the ability to proceed with a season and how that will unfold and whether or not people can attend games. But on top of that, these social issues, where will we be in three months? Will there be other incidents throughout the course of the summer that, that cause these fires to, to burn fresh again? And what right. will players be doing by way of potential protests when Yeah, September there's going to be something. Are, I, mean, I mean, are we going to see more anthem protests again is that going to create more divisiveness as we move toward another presidential election are there going to be politicians who who take advantage of that on both sides um or are they going to is the nfl going to come up with a different way you know i, I, I think feel that's like what the nfl struggled in 2017 to come up with a different way for players to make their voices heard so they don't say well what platform do i really have during the three hours that i'm out here on the field Here's the moment where kind of everything stops during the national anthem. And, and this is an opportunity to express the concerns we have about the nation that the flag stands for, that it's not perfect, that it's not what it needs to be, that the American experience for some is far different than the American experience for others. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 and that's one. And look, I've been meaning to, to write about this. Arian Foster, the former NFL rushing leader, longtime member of the Houston Texans, he was on, pardon my take, with our friend Big Cat and uh, my internet son, PFT Commenter. And, and he very eloquently explained that for Americans who have not had an ideal American experience, for Americans who feel oppressed, for Americans who feel like America does not care about them, who genuinely feel that way. Now, it, it's not for anyone else to say you shouldn't feel that way. The ones who feel that way, the ones who have had an experience in this country that is less than what others have had, they look at the flag differently than the rest of us do. They don't feel the same pride that the rest of us feel. They don't feel the same passion. They feel something different because their experience in this country has been far different than most of the people who would stand up and put their hand over their heart and remove their hat during the national anthem. So that, that that's, and, and again, Aaron Foster said it much more eloquently than I did, but you know, it's a different way of thinking of this problem that, that not everyone has had. And, and we're, we're seeing it now, Chris, not everyone has had an ideal American experience and, uh, and, and for plenty of people, the, the flag isn't as sacred as it is for others. And that's just the way it is. No, it, it is. That's the way. I mean, I, I, I get it. I do. Yeah. There, there's a lot of people, all different colors who feel like, you know, they've been cheated by America in a lot of different ways, certainly. And I certainly understand people of color and African-Americans being the angriest right now as far as the way they've been treated. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This is such a huge issue. It's it dives into so many different wormholes and is so systemic that it, it's going to take some really smart people to get to the root of these type of problems and continue to build this relationship. So white America and black America can be better moving forward. But like Mike, back to the other thing, too. 
Yeah, you know, when you talk about Arian Foster or players in the NFL and the pandemic and what to expect, I mean, I, I would think there's going to be some sort of demonstration throughout the year from players because of this. And I think if the NFL's smart, they start thinking of ways right now to do that, to get in front of it, to get the players to rally behind that to where it's something the NFL does together collectively, you know, the players, and it has a strong voice that way instead of, you know, kneeling for the anthem, which is for the great cause, and we know that, but really bothers people and divided us in a lot of ways, too. It brought attention to the situation, but as we know, people took that situation and, you know, distracted everybody from the main purpose and made it about 20 different other things. So that's where uh, I think you bring up a very real point there, and I think some of the, the smart people at 345 Park Ave need to start thinking about that right now. And the broader observation is this, and this is as simple as, as I can possibly make it. When your house needs a new roof, the first step in the process is realizing your house needs a new roof. And yeah. uh, not, you can't fix the roof until you acknowledge, hey, maybe we need a new roof. And I think that the, 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 the ultimate outcome to this moment should be that, that as many people as possible recognize we need change. We a lot of people it. think it the roof's happen. fine, though. That's the problem right well, now. That's well, way well, too many. But that, that's, I, I know, and uh, they've probably already changed the channel, but we're still talking, and the point yeah. is we need to have an overwhelming sense in this nation that, that we need a new roof. And uh, uh, I, 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 that's why it's important for people to speak out because it, it becomes undeniable at that point. And those who resist the fact that, we need a new roof, even as the water drips on their head. They're going to get to the point where they can no longer ignore and deny that water is dripping on their head. All right, we're going to take a break. The Mike, real quick, countdown. I forgot. I forgot, Alan. It's Alan Acres. Okay, I just got to say, I, I, I felt bad. I messed up his last name. I know you love this so much, but Alan Acres, good luck with your lung surgery. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, we had a conversation right before the show started that, as a matter of policy. The best approach is not to use last names. Chris just decided to ignore the whole thing, and he wonders why I get upset at him at times. We're going to take a break. Quarterback countdown continues when Pro Football Talk Live resumes right after this. Why do you think it is the folks in Jacksonville have taken to you the way they have? Yeah, um, I think I got, like, just the right amount of, like, white trashiness to me, um, you know. So, I think, uh, you know, I think I found my people. That's what they liked me in Tampa, too. Yeah, no I doubt. That you know, too. Yeah. So, right. it, honestly, like, I love Jacksonville. Uh, love the people there. It's been a blast living there. Um, you know, and I think it's only going to get better, you know. That is Gardner Minshew. He was with us at the Super Bowl. You know, it was just a few months ago. It feels like it was 10 years ago, given the it way does. things have changed since then. I, I, I've been thinking about that just generally. Like next year, the week of the Super Bowl, there's no way in hell we're going to be doing that, is there? We're not gonna, I, they're not going to have a, a radio row and a media center with all those people pressed together. They just can't. I guess it, it's going to have to be all about the vaccine, right? I mean, I guess if there's a vaccine, there will be. But if there's not, you're right. I mean, there's certainly going to be some trepidation from a lot of people wanting to squeeze all of us in that room. That's for sure. A lot of gross men in that room. I know that. A lot of guys who don't wash their hands and put their hands where they're not supposed to. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew, I don't know how to make a segue off of that. Gardner Minshew got it done last year. And who would have ever dreamed a year ago, as we were counting down, Chris, your top 40 quarterbacks, 
that Gardner Minshew II, who at the time had never played an NFL game uh, and not a whole lot of NFL-only fans even realized who he was. He did finish fifth in the Heisman voting last year, 2018, out of Washington State. But, uh, yeah, he becomes the guy in Jacksonville, and he becomes number 30 on your list, and he had good moments last year. Statistically, he actually, you could argue, was better than Kyler Murray uh, right. at times. But uh, and, and I know the Jaguars are staunch defenders of Gardner Minshew and think he's better than Kyler Murray. I don't know that I agree with that. Okay, I don't agree with that. But, but uh, there's promise there. There's potential there. And uh, I think if you told Gardner Minshew a year ago, hey, you're going to come in at number 30 on the list of all NFL quarterbacks a year from now, he'd have been thrilled. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. You know, certainly, he, you know, he had a lot of thrilling moments this year. I think that you and I both enjoyed watching. You know, there is something about the, the player. First off, he does have a presence on the field. You could see he has a presence behind the microphone talking to us. So, you know, I take that into account. He brings something to the football team. There is an edge and uh, just a tenacity in which he plays that I do think is infectious towards his, the rest of his offense and team. But, you know, the player himself, you know, he's, he's, he's a quarterback. You know, he understands how to manipulate the pocket. It's not a huge arm. Right, he doesn't throw perfect spirals all the time, but he's a he's got very good touch. He's accurate. He really understands how to manipulate the pocket to buy an extra half a second to throw a ten or fifteen yard cross crossing route. The one thing that jumps out to me about Gardner Minshew is yes, he can play the position. Yes, he's a good athlete and he can run for first downs and do things like that. He can scramble around and play backyard football. But then where he really jumps out to me, Mike, more than anything is like passes between 10 and 25 yards, whether that's little quick touch fades down the sidelines or like 20 yard crossing routes where he's got great touch to throw the ball over linebackers or safeties or things like that. When you go back and watch him, that's the throw or those are the throws that really jump out to me where he makes a lot of game changing type throws and plays that way. And that's why they're excited, and I think we're excited about them too. If only we had already put together examples of the things you were just saying so you can show the people <laughs> so they don't have to take your word for it. We've got an XO package that Chris is going to take us through of uh, the things that Gardner Minshew does well and maybe the things he needs to improve on. Take us through it, Chris. Yeah, well, you know, first off, his playmaking ability, you know, his pizzazz that he brings to the offense, there, that, it is a real aspect of his game. Play action passer, he's aggressive, you see him, and this is the first thing that jumps out to you. You know, yes, it's his feet and scrambling, but hey, when the Red Sea parts, he doesn't hesitate. He pulls the ball down, didn't like what he sees downfield, and he rips off 50 or 20 yard, 15 or 20 yards. And I love that instinct to slide. You, you cannot right. teach that. You either have it or you don't. No, he knows how to protect himself, too. And then here's the other thing, you know, work in the pocket, backyard football. Now, hey, listen, I'll say as much as we love Gardner Minshew, do I think he's a hair overrated in everybody's eyes right now because he's got a cool mustache and all that? Yes, I think he feasted. He feasted on the poor a little bit this year. I mean, in that game specifically right there, it's a great highlight, but they were down 31 to three. You know, where was he the first three quarters of that game? You know, so that's, that's I'm just trying to keep things in perspective. But this is what I'm talking about, Mike. These type of throws right there perfectly placed over good coverage and he just got the right touch and feel to make these throws happen on a consistent basis yeah and and look that that you, the, you raise a great point like how much of this is 
Jaguars fans who have been dying for a star player that they're sure. excited about, hyping him up. But but you're right about the touch and, and delivering the football that is catchable, right? It's not this missile that's going to break your fingers. It drops right, right in. Right over the hands of the defender, right into your hands, easy to catch, easy to gain yardage, easy to score touchdowns, easy to look good as a receiver when your quarterback's putting the ball right there. That's right. Now, here's some of the rookie stuff. Okay, hey, rookie, hey, oh, okay, you're moving around the pocket trying to make something happen. Hey, the defense won. Let it up. Give give it up. Throw the ball away. It's over. No, don't run to the right hash and throw the ball across the field back to your running back of all people when you can't even see down the middle of the field. So, hey – you know, there, there's a little bit of that. But I think all in all, he did a really good job as a rookie taking care of the football. This was his worst game of the year, Mike. You remember this. London had a few interceptions. Hey, missed a throw here. I don't look at this play and go, oh, man, what an idiot. How horrible is this? No, he made the right read. This guy's open. He just missed the throw. He did. Feet were kind of choppy, and he just overshoots it, as you see. But there's a lot to like about his game. And he just has a natural feel of the type of – or a great natural feel of the type of throw that needs to be made. You know, a little bit like we talk about those touch outside passes. Hey, if the guy's got the guy beat, he can throw it out there and let the guy run underneath it. You know, he can drop it right in there perfectly if he needs to with a tight coverage. If the DB's over the top of him, he throws a good back shoulder throw. So there's a lot to be excited about Gardner Minshew. And the other thing, Mike, I'll say, he – He's not afraid. You know, he's going to go out there and try to win football games. This is not a game manager. And uh, we got a guy coming up a little later today who's a little bit of a game manager, and I almost put Minshew in front of him because of Minshew's aggressive nature. And one thing that Minshew will have this year as they go all in to see what they can get out of him, is he truly the guy? And there were some rumors, you heard them, I heard them, that maybe if Tua Tonga-Vailoa had fallen down to number nine in the draft, the Jaguars right. would have pulled the trigger, uh, which would have potentially upset those those Jaguars fans that have taken to Gardner Minshew, and it would have created a strange time for the Jaguars. But ultimately, they're trying to win games, and they understand that a franchise quarterback is the way to make it happen. And I feel like they're just kind of desperate to undo the Blake Bortles Agreed. debacle from several years ago. But there are weapons there for a Gardner Minshew or whoever the quarterback would have been if it wasn't Minshew. DJ Chark did well last year. D.D. Westbrook is a guy who has been underrated. Chris Conley yeah. was excellent in that chief system, and he, he was solid last year with the, the Jaguars. And then, then they've added LaVisca Cheneau in the draft. Keelan Cole is there. They kept Leonard Fournette after considering right. trading him. Chris Thompson reunited with Jay Gruden, the new offensive coordinator. Tyler Eifert, a tight end who is very good when he's healthy. It's just not all that often that he's healthy. But I'll tell you what, you bring Jay Gruden to town to I run know. that offense, that, that's another reason to be excited about what Minshew could do this season. I, I agree. And I really think that, you know, Gardner Minshew is, is right up Jay Gruden's alley. You know, this is, a, you know, Minshew's got a, a style of play that reminds me a little bit of like a Jeff Garcia, who was actually with me in Tampa when the Grudens were there, when John was the head coach and Jay was on the staff helping out and all of that. But he has that type of, you know, style of play where, yeah, he can drop back and throw the ball within the pocket, but if things aren't perfect in the pocket, he's not afraid to dance around and make some plays and pressure the coverage downfield and do those type of things too. Plus, you know, Jay Gruden's offense typically – a little more intermediate to short passes are really the meat and potatoes of the offense. And I think that's Gardner Minshew's 
meat and potatoes right there. I think he's really good at that. Again, like we talked about, it's not lasers that he throws. It's not the biggest arm. He can make all the throws. He just has a great feel and is really just has a natural feel as a quarterback all around. There's no glaring weakness to Gardner Minshew's game. There might not be one glaring strength or greatness, but there's no glaring weakness either. And that's a good thing. And you could be successful in the NFL for a long time with that type of skill set. He went to Washington State, as we mentioned a minute or two ago, finished fifth in the Heisman voting yeah. in 2018. Let's let's have a little fun on the way out here. Let's rank the all-time great Washington State quarterbacks. And there have been more than a few whose names you will recognize. Mark Rippon, a Super Bowl MVP. Ryan Leaf, Drew, whose name has been in the news recently for not ideal reasons. Drew Bledsoe, the first overall pick back in 1993 by the New England Patriots. Minshew. They also had Don Horn. Tim Rosenbach, remember him? And Jack do. Thompson. Do you do you remember Jack Thompson's nickname? I know. You know, I'm actually I'm trying to think of Jack Thompson right now altogether. Like the name's familiar, but I can't even come up Played with who that is. Bengals and what, Samoan. The throwing <laughs> Samoan Jack Thompson. I wouldn't have known that. Oh. Well, I thought you were I thought you were a fan of football. I thought you were a football uh, historian. Haven't you applied that label thank yourself you, before? Thank you very much. Yes, throw that in my face. Thank you very much. I appreciate I'm, that. But who, doing, so, I'm just I'm just I, I maybe it was somebody else. Maybe it was Big so Cat. I can't remember. Who's the best one of the group right there? Who are you gonna give it to? Rippin or Bledsoe? Well, I look, Rippin won a Super Bowl MVP, uh, but Bledsoe was more accomplished. Um, yes, right. But but you know, yeah, so uh I, I'd go Bledsoe then Rippin with Minshew right. having the possibility to, to supersede both of them. Possibility. Agreed. But he's going to have Agreed. to do a lot. He's going to have to do a lot. He's going to have to be the starter for more than a year or two. He's going to have to win no some doubt games. About he's going to take the Jaguars to places they've never been before or at least haven't been in a long time. You're right. Well, he's got you know he's got the potential to do it. He, he does. He's got the charisma, the leadership skills. He's got the ability on the field to do all that thing, all those things. You're right. We just don't know if he can do it yet. You know, what I saw from last year makes me believe that, no, the game is not too big for him. He can continue to make plays. And, Mike, you brought up a great point. He's got a very good support system down there. I mean, you named some of those guys there. Yeah, they're not like household names yet because Jacksonville's not a perennial playoff team. But, you know, when you talk about, you know, DJ Shark and D.D. Westbrook and Leonard Fournette and Eifert and some of those other receivers you mentioned, you go, wow. Yeah, they can, they're going to be able to move the ball in Jacksonville, and that offense could be exciting to watch. So we'll see. Minshew's got a chance to make himself the guy at Jacksonville for the next five or six years, and this year will be the year to tell you if he can do it or not. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, a deeper look at quarterbacks who were drafted in 2019 as they enter year two, ceilings and floors for a list of, of the guys who joined the NFL in that same draft class Gardner Minshew did. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. 2019 quarterback class. This is not every quarterback who was drafted that year, just some of them, and plenty of them got a chance to play last year. One name in particular did not play much, but he is a major focal point heading into 2020. Let's go through some of these guys with what we think their floor and ceiling would be for 2020. And let's start with the guy who was the offensive rookie of the year, Kyler Murray. Chris, I've I've made it clear. I I think that he could be – the fourth straight second-year quarterback who takes the NFL by storm. Carson Wentz did it in 2017, then Patrick Mahomes in 2018, Lamar Jackson last year. I think it can be Kyler Murray this year. We met with Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals, at the scouting combine, and he, he's in that same camp, that there could be a huge, dramatic jump that makes Kyler Murray the NFL's next big thing this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, I, I mean, you know, when I saw this exercise we were doing, you know, you think about the ceiling for Kyler Murray. You know, it's to me, it's and I think I'm with you, Mike. It's kind of in that MVP conversation. You know, I don't think Arizona will be good enough for him to win the MVP. That's what just, you know, my gut tells me it, it, looking at the, you know, the, the 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 roster on paper at this point and their division and everything. But I look at the ceiling for Kyler Murray as going he gets MVP votes. I mean, he's in the conversation this year. That That's what I think ultimately I look at it. And I don't know, Mike, when I look at the floor, I think the floor is like a little bit like where we, what we saw this year where we just went, ah, okay. Yeah. It was a good year. You know, it was a great year. I don't want to say that, but like statistically 20 touchdowns, you know, double digit interceptions. I think that's about as bad as it could get. And I don't really imagine that happening really. People were mad that he was Offensive Rookie of the Year. There were a lot of folks that thought Raiders running back Josh Jacobs should have gotten it. I think that Murray was the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I agree with you. It's just a question of how much he builds upon what he did last year. What he did last year is a given. I'd be stunned by a regression from Kyle Murray. The question is how much higher can he push his performance? And look, MVP is tough because it's going to go to the best player typically on one of the two teams that emerged with the top seed. And now top right. seed has even greater importance because that's the only seed per conference that gets a bye. I think it's going to cause the voters to gravitate even more towards somebody from one of the top two seeds. It's going to be very difficult for the Cardinals to emerge with the top seed in the NFC, given the division that they're assigned to. The Giants uh, most likely will not have the top seed in 2020. Daniel Jones, a controversial top 10 pick. You came around on Daniel Jones, and a lot of other people did as well. Let's uh, figure out where his ceiling and his floor may be for the coming season, Chris. How good can he be? Ooh, I mean, I, I loved what I saw from Daniel Jones. I really did. I mean, yeah, it was probably one of the most you know egregiously wrong 
draft evaluations I ever did. I'm in full transparency. There's no doubt about it. He crapped all over what I thought about him in the draft. He was phenomenal last year. You know, Mike, again, I look at Daniel Jones and, you know, I think the ceiling, I look at like Pro Bowl votes. I don't think maybe Pro Bowl was realistic, but Pro Bowl votes, I do. And opening up a lot of eyes to where we go, whoa, this guy, he can throw that ball and make some big time plays. And, you know, he's got some good receivers around him, not great. But I think that's kind of the floor, that type of, I mean, the ceiling, that type of conversation. The floor, you know, again, I don't see the, the, the like, the wheels falling off here. I don't know how you feel about it. But I think, like, the floor, I look at a year of, like, okay, the Giants are mediocre, and he still has some turnover issues, all right? I think that's where I would look at it as the floor. But I don't think it's going to be like, oh, my gosh, we've made a horrible mistake. And we need to think about making a, another quarterback draft pick here sometime in the next few years. No, I don't see that happening. And look, Saquon Barkley, the guy who I think, if used properly, allows Daniel Jones to flourish because it 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 draws extra defenders up toward the line of scrimmage, creates some favorable yep. matchups in the passing game. And Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator. We talked about this a few weeks ago. People cringe at the idea of Jason Garrett being the offensive coordinator of the Giants. When you think about what he accomplished as an offensive coordinator, maybe you shouldn't cringe. Maybe the problems with Jason Garrett were more about trying to be both head coach and offensive play designer and I play caller so. at the same time. Focusing solely on the one job uh, with with talent that is – it's not apples to apples. And, and I don't want to suggest like the Giants have an offensive line anywhere close to what the, the Cowboys had, but – You've got a great it's running back better. like the Cowboys did. And you've yeah. got a quarterback who can be very good like the Cowboys did. And uh, that that is an ingredient in all of this that will contribute to Daniel Jones' performance. So I agree with you. He's a guy who could be fringe pro bowler uh, as the the ceiling. And, uh, you know, the floor would just be it just doesn't work with Jason Garrett. It just all falls apart. That, that he, and, right. he and Garrett just don't see eye to eye. They don't mesh. I don't see that happening. But – you know, that to me, it, it I could see, a, I'd see a regression for him before a regression for Kyler Murray. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yes, I do. You know, Kyler Murray, you know, just, you know, Cliff Kingsbury being in that offense really for throughout his college career into the NFL, the weapons he has around him, Kyler Murray, I think it'll be hard for him to fail, especially statistically and things like that. You know, Daniel Jones, yeah, I'm with you. I don't expect anything bad either. And I really, Mike, I think you make a good point with the Jason Garrett thing. You know, this is going to be a, he'll be able to use a similar formula that he used with that Cowboy offense. You're right, not the greatest offensive line or not as good as Dallas, but certainly better to be able to run the football. Has a really good tight end and Evan Ingram. You know, Darius Slayton was impressive as a rookie last year. He was kind of a hidden gem for them. So uh, I do expect big things. Yeah, I don't expect them to light the world on fire, though, because I don't think the Giants will be good enough to do that quite yet. All right, Washington quarterback Dwayne Haskins, the 15th overall pick last year behind Murray and Jones, eventually played uh, kind of a mixed bag. And 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 there are questions about how prepared he really was. Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. I think sometimes right. you put a quarterback in an organization like that and you're not going to have a stellar performance right away. But now with Ron Rivera there, and Ron Rivera's been ambivalent about Dwayne Haskins, what's, what's the best-case scenario for Haskins this year as he gets accustomed to a new coaching staff? Well, I, I think that just staying on the field for 16 weeks and having success, you know, and if that means, you know, 25 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, then that's a great year. You know, Dwayne Haskins still, yes, I mean, he's young. 
He hasn't played a ton of football. He only played one year at Ohio State. So he's still learning the position. He's still growing into being a, a young man. You know, he's so there is talent there. There's no doubt. But it's raw. And, you know, it's raw, I think, all th- across the board. You know, Mike, the one thing I keep hearing with Dwayne Haskins this year, too, as much as I love his talent, is, oh, he's really in shape. Well, that tells you that he must have not been in great shape to begin with. You know, so those aren't things like, you know, franchise quarterbacks. They're OCD type A type people. They never get out of shape. Brady doesn't go home and go, well, I'm going to let my beer, my beer belly grow out and then I'll get back in shape after. No, he never stops. And, you know, those are the things I think Dwayne Haskins has got to learn. But I think like that's the ceiling to me. It's not a great support system there. They have some building of that offense to go. You know, the floor, Mike is the fact that he maybe gets benched and a guy like Will Greer does have to come in and play a handful of games or whatever it may be. But I, I think that's generally the area where I feel it will be at. You know, it's funny, as you explained that, it reminded me of a story that Jameis Winston told early in his career. He stumbled his way into a Pro Bowl berth as others tapped out. And, uh, you know, as he was at the buffet eating bacon and eggs, he saw guys like Russell Wilson coming back from an intense workout and the light bulb went off for him. If I'm ever going to be anything in the NFL, I've got to commit myself to this. There's there's no vacations. It's your life. It's your lifestyle. It's what you do every single day to get your body to the point where it has to be where it needs to be. So you can be as effective as you can be. And I agree with you on Dwayne Haskins. I look, if, if he's just the starter all year long, that's a win. I don't expect him to be a superstar. This is all about, proving that you belong and then building on that in 2021. And the, the, uh, uh, the, the floor would just be, he gets benched. He gets benched right. for uh, anyone other than Dwayne Haskins. And, and I know that uh, Kyle Allen from the Panthers, who was traded to Washington's in the mix, Alex Smith still wants to play, but uh, we'll see how that goes. We've got a few others that we want to get to. We'll push them to later in the program. We need to take a break when we return Raiders first round draft pick Henry Ruggs injured himself in a very unusual way. We'll tell you what you need to know about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Raiders receiver Henry Ruggs III, 12th overall pick in the draft, first receiver taken. A little bit of a scare recently as he was moving things. His father confirmed that that the injury happened. It was an injury to the thigh. Henry Ruggs III is on crutches, but he feels okay. He was trying to move a trailer or something, his father said, move furniture or something. The trailer just kind of pinned him against a car or a wall or something. He's pretty much okay. I'm about to go out there and see him a little bit. Uh, It's like a little open wound on his leg, a little incision. Something had stuck him right there on his thigh. There was one report that it was dangerously close to his femoral artery, which uh, I'm no doctor, but you do not want the femoral artery to be nicked or otherwise punctured. Uh, And uh, it's good that he's okay. But look, um, Henry, let me just say this. I know you haven't signed your contract yet, but you have money now. You, you, you need to, you need to, you need to pay someone to do these things and protect the moneymaker, Chris. Well, that, that's like, first off, I mean, John Gruden must be like, what the heck can I get one of my good receivers (laughs) to stay healthy or what the hell is going on with me? But, Uh, that's the point, Mike, you're right. You know, we hear players talk about so much, you know, my body is my temple. My body is a business. Well, this goes into this conversation, Henry Ruggs, you know, tell your agent or whoever, I know you haven't signed your contract, like Mike said, but these days are over. You can't be like pulling a hamstring or a quad muscle or doing anything else, moving heavy stuff anymore. 
You got cash in your pocket. Make people do it. It's it's like a real thing. You know, I know my wife used to have to tell me because we moved a lot. Of course, mine have a, like like no, I paid these guys a lot of money. I don't need you over here, and I wasn't a help anyways. But you know, again, yeah, it's you got to be a professional now. Don't worry about moving things around. Pay people to do it. It's great excuse to be lazy. I have right. to protect myself. I can't right. do this. I can't puncture right. my thigh, right? I mean, what, what's the worst could happen? Well, you could puncture your thigh. I mean, so uh, uh, come on. Come on, Henry. And yeah, John Good, what's worse, frozen feet or a punctured thigh? While you're moving <laughs> I don't know. Away? The Raiders are <laughs> snake bit at the receiver position. We'll take a break. More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.